Hey everybody, this is Dave from Opposing the Matrix, doing another solo late night show. It's 11.42 approximately in the evening on the 15th of July, 2020. Um, like I said in a previous broadcast, I think it was yesterday, when you're not feeling very well, you, you're you're awake and you're up and you tend to do things. And, and I was thinking today, I says, um, you know, I says to myself, self, you know, I haven't, you know, I, I want to do more radio shows. You know, in a, an ideal world, what I would do is I would do this 24-7. And I would probably get paid for it. And um, it would be a wonderful living. But it just seems like in this life, you can't do a job that you really like to do. You're always stuck doing stuff that is okay to do. It's not your heart's desire. Let's, let's uh, you know, so to speak, you know. Very rarely does a person get to do something that they've they've always wanted to do, and uh, anybody who's honest will admit that to you. <laughs> um, so I was thinking today or tonight, you know, what would I do a show if I was, if I was to do a show tonight? And um, I flashed back on a picture that I took uh, two winters ago, and uh, it was out in my yard, and it was a bare footprint that was quite large, larger, quite a bit larger than my my foot was with a shoe on. And I snapped a picture of it, and I still have that picture to this day. Well, before we get into that, um, I had written down in the description of the show tonight that I was going to do kind of a, at the beginning, kind of a biographical sort of thing. Um, just to let you know that, you know, the weirdness kind of follows people around, it seems like. Uh, um, you know, you have uh, some families or hard luck families. It seems like everything that's possible that could bad happen to a family uh, in in the way of bad finances or something like that it always seems to hang around people. Some certain families and and uh, other families, uh, you know, the a lot of the people get on drugs. You know, it's it's uh, it's kind of uncanny how how things kind of linger around families. Um, and I think a lot of that's brought on by things either that we did when we were younger or by our forefathers even. Uh, the Bible talks about generational curses. And uh, even um, psychologists are realizing and will admit to you that the sins of the fathers basically will be, visit the, the uh, children. Um, if, in other words, if you're an alcoholic, the chances that your kids are going to be alcoholic are greater. Uh, drug abuser, your kids' chances are greater. Um you hit your wife, the chances that your son is going to hit his wife or your daughter is going to hit her husband a lot more than normal people do. Um, actually, normal people don't hit their spouses, but um, it, it does happen from time to time in families. But um, your chances are greater if, if a father or grandfather has been that way or a father and grandfather. But... Um, Anyway, I don't want to dwell on those things because they don't they don't really apply to what I'm going to talk about tonight, nor to my life, actually. When I was a young man, or a young boy, I should say, um, and I'll explain why my dad got into this in a, in a little while, but um, my dad was infatuated with UFOs. He was infatuated with space, with the stars. Um <laughs> You know, when I was a kid, um, most parents were, most fathers were taking their kids to football games or baseball games and stuff like that. My dad would put a telescope out in the uh, front yard so we could look at the stars. Or uh, 
he would he bought a microscope so we could look at uh, things that were microscopic or he bought me chemistry sets and um the coolest thing is he was interested in guns so you know i learned how to shoot at a very early age i learned how to aim and how to have proper care and maintenance of a, a firearm um and it always gets unnerves me when i'm in a gun shop and and the guy's showing some guy or woman a pistol and she's waving that thing around and i'm like my dad always taught me you don't wave you don't point a gun at anything but the ground or at something if you're going to shoot it because guns go off by accident even when people spe- say especially when they say they're not loaded so <clears throat> excuse me anyway um so dad was was into a lot of scientific stuff he was never into sports which i'm kind of glad because i think that sports are the opiate of the people um, the communists used to say that religion was, but in the United States, sports are. Um, you could talk a guy out of it, anything if you were to give him tickets to see a, a major league game or a, an NFL game or something like that. Um, it's it's really kind of sad, and it's kind of sad when you go to church sometimes and the guys are more interested in who's playing football after the church service is over rather than what the church service is all about. This is another story for another day. But um, – Anyway, he um, he was into uh, the sciences. He was into, you know, and for a plumber or in a plumber's son, um, that's kind of unusual, you know. Anyway, my dad was an unusual guy, and I'm kind of glad he was um, because I'm, I'm proud to admit it. I'm sort of unusual myself. Um, God says that his people are peculiar people, and that it fit right in. <laughs> so anyway, um so tonight, uh, with the biographical thing, um, like I said, Dad was into all kinds of stuff, and he was into UFOs very, very deeply, uh, had an interest in UFOs. and um, But back in the uh, early 1960s and even through the 1960s and into the 1970s, you didn't talk too much about that because that was something that could get you stuck in a uh, psychiatric ward if you, you know, if you mentioned it too much. And you said that you believe that aliens were talking to you. Dad never said that. Um, But that's, you know, that's how serious people took it. They saw it more as a mental disorder than anything else. So um, Dad used to like to get UFO magazines. And he learned, uh, I think he he learned or he just figured it out on his own. um, And not having to learn the hard way that you didn't get them sent to your house, the U.S. mail. (laughs) Um, not unless you wanted to get a reputation around the neighborhood. And and we grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey, and it's basically, it was a, a bedroom community for uh, for Manhattan and uh, New York City. And, um, and you didn't want to get that stigma placed upon you. And uh, believe me, even today, you know, with some of the teasing, it's, uh, it's a little excessive, but uh, it's easier to put up with when you re- realize that a lot of people are ignorant and their ignorance is leading to their destruction. But um, so anyway, having that interest in UFOs, he would often uh, we would either hop a bus. And I think it was a number 44 bus that left East Rutherford and went over to Manhattan. And every once in a while, um, like on a Saturday morning, real early, right about the time that the newsstands would open, he would uh, put me in the car and we would drive through the Lincoln Tunnel. And uh, we would go to, well, any number of uh, newsstands that were outside. Uh, sometimes they were in stores, but most of the time they were outside. You could get just about any magazine you wanted there. 
And they always had the UFO magazines. And Dad would pick up everything he could get his hands on. And he did not put them away when he got home. So I got to read them, or as much as I could understand at that early age. But knowing that he had an interest in it, and I really looked up to my dad, made me want to have an interest in it. And that could be a good thing, but it could be a dangerous thing. And you'll see why in a minute. But um, So anyway, uh, life progressed a little bit. I, I guess I was about nine years old. My sister would have been seven or almost seven. And uh, we moved uh, about an hour and a half south to a little town called Tom Observer in New Jersey. And uh, my dad commuted back to the back to North Jersey to work. Uh, there was really no work in, in uh, Central Jersey at the time, so um, and I don't think there was even a union for that area down there at that time. So he uh, he commuted north, and after a while, he just stayed there for the weekend and came back on on weekends, which was hard on the family, really was, and hard very hard on him because he loved his family. But anyway, um, so. We read more and more about UFOs, and around 1968, if I'm not mistaken, is when Star Trek came out. Now, Dad almost lived vicariously through Star Trek. It's almost like uh, he wanted to be James T. Kirk. He wanted to be the captain of the Enterprise. He wanted to go to all those distant worlds and find alien um, um, civilizations all throughout the universe. And... uh, Dad was not a church-going man. Mom was, which was really unusual because of our heritage. But um, we didn't really know about our heritage back then. But anyway, um, so Dad would stay home, and he would watch Star Trek. And I think at that time it was on Friday nights, I'm not mistaken. For some reason, that kind of sticks in my head. And he had another favorite show to watch called The Invaders, which I thought was really cool. As a matter of fact, I've got all the seasons. (laughs) I just bought them recently. I got all the seasons of The Invaders, and boy, are they fun to watch. Bring back a lot of memories, plus there's a lot of themes in them that kind of reach into today's UFO phenomena. But um, So we would watch uh, Star Trek, and uh, when Star Trek was on, it would be like, um, the only thing I can compare it to would be like a a very stringent, um, ardent uh, Baptist uh, watching uh, Billy Graham Crusade. or or some kind of uh, Baptist ministry on television, and you do when when Star Trek was on, you didn't talk, you didn't kid around, you didn't laugh, you kept your eyes glued to the TV because if you didn't, you were you were told very sternly to leave the room, and you were dealt with afterwards. And usually it was um, a very stern talking to every once in a while. It was a yelling, but um, you just didn't under- interrupt Star Trek. Was <laughs> that was what you didn't do? And um, and it was the same way for the invaders. Although Star Trek was was a very special thing, and my dad was kind of a um, an um, what do you call it um, a prodigy. He was uh, one of the people that saw the value of Star Trek way before Star Trek. Uh, the value of it was seen by ma- very many people. And um, matter of fact, I think after the first season, that the, the uh, the network that was carrying it uh, was going to drop Star Trek, and Dad was on one of those campaigns where he wrote letters uh, basically threatening, I think it was NBC that originally aired it. I, I can't remember. I could be wrong about that. But um, it complaining and, you know, and, you know, I'm never going to watch your network again, blah, 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 you know, and 
And so uh, another network picked it up, and it went on for two or three more seasons, I do believe. And um, so then a lot of stuff started coming out. Uh, towards the end of the 60s, a movie came out called 2001, A Space Odyssey. We went and saw that. Um, he took me to a movie that was uh, called Robinson Crusoe on Mars, which is a really good movie, actually. Um, even today when I watch it, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that uh, some of the graphics were pretty good for back in the 1960s. Uh, we went and saw that in a theater, actually, in the old Rivoli Theater down in Rutherford, California. Um, like Rutherford, New Jersey, excuse me. Um, so... Uh, anyway, we had, we had moved down to shore, and that's what everybody calls the beach in New Jersey. They call it down to shore, so don't knock us for that, okay? Um, in the summertime, when you live up in the city and you're going to go swimming, you're going down to shore. Okay. Anyway, um, so we're living down to shore, and uh, we they had bought a, our first house, as a matter of fact, real house. Um, it was a nice house. It was uh, located in a nice uh, brand-new bedroom community that was uh, being raised up there called Deer Hollow. That's amazing that I just remembered that. I forgot that after about 50 years. And uh, we lived on a little street called Fawn Drive, and behind us there was woods. Uh, and we used to love it as kids. We'd go exploring in those woods, and we found out that part of those woods was an ancient, uh, well, not ancient, but a dump from back in the 30s. And and, you know, like any kid back then, we used to dig through the dump and find stuff. Found some neat newspapers from the 1930s. Uh, full newspapers, too, that hadn't dis, uh, hadn't um, corroded or or um, hadn't spoiled. They were almost like brand-new newspapers. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, you know, we, we kept watching Star Trek and everything. And, and one night, um, I do believe it was a Friday night, um, we had, uh, retired for the evening and what I had lobbied for with my parents was the downstairs bedroom. There was, uh, three bedrooms upstairs and there was a, a bedroom downstairs. And as a young boy, I wanted to be by myself. I wanted to have my own bedroom. So I, and they acquiesced and, and I got that and it was nice. And, uh, now what I'm going to about, about to tell you, sounds kind of strange, but it kind of fits in with what's kind of molded me into the ministry that I'm involved in today. So I'd been reading a lot of uh, UFO magazines, and a lot of them started to talk about something called alien abduction, and that was a really freaky thing to read about. And there's other freaky things in there in those magazines, you know, that some of the clouds that were up in the sky were really UFOs, and they were killer clouds. And um, boy, if you could think of anything back then, you could write an article in one of those magazines. And uh, um, to me nowadays, it was more akin to the uh, the National Star or uh, the National Enquirer or something like that. Uh, that's what I think of now when I pick up uh, a UFO magazine because they're they're really rare to find these days. But um, they do still print them, but they're rare to find. Uh, but when I see an Enquirer National Star right away, I think of the old UFO magazines. Well, anyway, at that time. I was I was laying in bed and uh I think I had the light off, yeah, I had the light off and and I felt really strange. I felt weird. Um I felt scared. I felt um kind of like uh the the chills going up my back, you know, like you feel when you're really scared. Some people call it your hair standing up on your back, you know, or whatever. But being a 9-year-old boy, I didn't have very much hair on my back. 
Actually, about then, I was probably more like 11 or 12. But um, anyway, um, and in my mind's eye, and I can't tell you if this was real or not. I really don't know. But I looked in the doorway to the room, and I saw what looked like a person standing there in um, what a, at the time would have been almost like a Soviet cosmonaut uh, spacesuit. Um, just look it up. I can't, I'm not even going to try to explain it to you. Um but it was red with a white helmet. And uh, and then I started to get really scared. But you know what? I left something out. What did I, I left one of the most important elements out. Before I saw that, I uh, had laid in bed and I was I just about falling asleep. And I noticed it was very bright in the room. And I'm like, wow, that's, uh, that moon is bright, you know? So I got up and I looked across the street and it looked like a full moon. And the people who lived across the street, their last name was Hand, H-A-N-D. I went to school with their son, Michael. And Mike, if you ever listen to this, let's get in touch because I miss you, man. Uh, we used to play together out in the street and stuff. And um, So anyway, I saw that. And then I looked down kind of to the south of where I was standing because I was facing east. So I looked to the right. And uh, I saw the moon, and it was in a crescent shape, and that scared me. Okay, there's no, we don't have two moons in our sky, and um, and I saw the real one to the south, and and this thing was obviously a UFO. It was perfectly round, and it was quite big over the hand house. And um, so I crawled in bed, and that's when I pulled the covers over my head, and I was shaking, and I was scared, and. Now, all of a sudden, a calm came over me, and that's when I saw that astronaut figure standing in the doorway. And I remember trying to scream for my parents, and nothing came out of my voice, and I couldn't move. <laughs> so what I did is I just kind of closed my eyes and hoped for the best, pulling pulling as best as I could the covers over my head because it was really hard to move. But um, anyway, um, I fell asleep. And I I kind of fell asleep at ease, not worrying too much about things, which is kind of weird, seeing that I was kind of scared out of my pants. Um, so anyway, the next morning I woke up and I approached my dad and I, th- I thought about it actually for an hour or two because it was Saturday and and I think he had gone out and gotten a crumb cake or something. And that's what we usually had in the mornings when we could find one in South Jersey. And um so I, I walked up to him and I said, Dad, I had the, oh, I left out another thing. <laughs> okay, let's back up to that night. When I was laying in bed and I was scared, um, after I saw that figure in the doorway, what I heard was, sounded like two jet fighters, at least two jet fighters flying over our house. Pretty low, actually. Now, bear in mind, we, we live not too far from Lakehurst Naval Air Station. And if you know anything about history, Lakehurst is where the Hindenburg crashed back in the 1930s. Well, right next to Lakehurst, there's McGuire Air Force Base. And right next to that is Fort Dix, which is an Army base. So there's three bases right in the same area. And um, and when I heard the jets, I uh, that's, I think, what made me feel like I was safe. So... The next morning, okay, we jumped to the next morning, and I'm, I walk up to my dad, and I go, Dad, did you hear the Jets last night? And he said, no. And my dad was a pretty pretty deep sleeper, so I could believe that. And I never bothered to ask my mom or my sister. Um, and I said, I said, Dad, something weird happened last night. And he asked me what it was, and I told him that I looked across the street, and I'd seen that 
large ball across that across the road above the hand house and about the the moon being to the south and then here in the jets and what really happened kind of crushed me because my dad just kind of laughed at me like oh kid's imagination you know well um so my dad had a, a neighbor that lived two doors down his name was uh, conrad tutella and he's dead now so i could say his name and we used to call him connie and connie always used to tease my dad about ufos and so I don't know what possessed my dad to do this, but he went down and told Conrad about what happened to me. I guess he started to believe me, and Conrad laughed at him. Well, uh must have been about a week later, maybe less. Um, and Conrad knocked on the front door, and he came in, and he looked white as a ghost. And my dad goes, oh, what's going on? You know, what's what's happening? And he says, well, he says, you know, I laughed at you the other day. He says, but I'm not going to laugh anymore. And my dad says, why would happen? He says, well, I was getting up the other morning to go to work because he used to drive to North Jersey also. And um, he says, and I pulled out of my driveway and I made the left turn to go down that one street towards the main street. And um, he says, I actually got buzzed and chased by UFOs. And uh, my dad's like, oh, come on. Now you're just messing with. No, he says, no, for real. He says, I am a believer now. I will never laugh at you again. So Conrad Tutela became a believer in UFOs at that time. So um, <clears throat> anyway, um, you know, we move ahead a number of years. Um, you know, I went through my drug abuse era, um, finally got saved, came to faith in Yeshua, Hamashiach, or Jesus Christ, you might call him. And um, so I started to, I remember, always remember that feeling that I had that chill going up my back, um, the paranormal feeling, you know, and knowing there's something's there, but you're not quite being able to see it. Or, you know, it was just weird. It's unless you've experienced it, you'll never know what I'm talking about. And God help you that you never have to experience it. Um, hold on a second while I quench my throat with some nice sips of coffee. Coffee is the best drink that god ever gave us there's nothing better than coffee okay that's my coffee commercial uh drink whatever kind you like but it's good stuff for you lots of antioxidants and um it helps you to stay awake at late hours when you're doing radio shows um so yeah i I became a believer and later on my dad became a believer not too long after i did and um one day I was uh, down visiting some friends, and to this day, this friend can't remember this. And I don't know if this is a Mandela thing or whatever, but um, uh, we were having a time of uh, praise and worship, but also we were listening to a um, a tape on backmasking. And backmasking is where um, some of these rock and roll artists and others um, – actually can record music to her when you play it backwards it it plays a message and your mind subliminally picks that kind of stuff up it just does i don't know how it does it um kind of like when they put one frame of coca-cola in a movie um everybody heads to the lobby to get coca-cola after that one frame goes by your mind can pick it up you don't see it in your eye but your mind picks it up anyway um so we broke off, you know, and I says, hey, I, I really got to use the restroom. He goes, yeah, it's upstairs. And 
and I got it was a landing where you went up part way and then you made her a right hand turn and you went up the rest of the way and the bathroom went straight ahead. Well, I got about halfway up and I swear it was like walking through jello. Um, I couldn't get my way through there and I felt that feeling again, that feeling of fear, that uh, the hair going up on the back of your neck sort of feeling. And and I walked down the stairs and my friend said, hey, that was pretty quick. And I said, well, I never got up there. And he goes, why, what happened? And I told him, he goes, oh, that. And so we just, he was, he grabbed his guitar. He says, we're going to sing as we walk up the stairs. And I, he says, you're going to watch. This thing is going to leave. So we sang Christian songs as we walked up the stairs, songs about Jesus, the blood of Jesus and stuff like that. And he goes, go into that room and open up the window. And I did. And and we just uh, kept singing. And pretty soon the thing was gone. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, but that feeling, the feeling that I had years before in the bedroom when I saw that apparition, you know, that stuck with me. And I'm like, there's a connection here. There is a connection here. And so fear does not from come from God. Fear comes from the enemy. Okay. And fear, well, it just doesn't come from God. Anyway, um, so I knew that there had to be some kind of uh, evil, um, some kind of evilness to, uh, to the UFO phenomena, or basically I hadn't really gotten into that yet, but, um, to the, uh, to ghosts and apparitions and stuff like that. They're not the departed relatives of people that once lived and, uh, are trying to commune with us and stuff like that. No, they're demons. So, um, anyway, uh, I got a copy of the tape. He made me a copy at his workplace. And I brought it to a singles meeting that we were having. And I said, listen, I said, I want to play this thing for you guys. I think it's very interesting and you're going to get a lot out of it. But please, let's pray before we start. Well, what do you want to pray? You know, when when you're with a group of Christians and they ask you why you want to pray, you probably shouldn't be involved with those Christians. Okay. Um, I mean, if it's a mocking kind of, why do you want to pray? If it's like, you know, well, I'm just curious. Why do you want to pray? That's something different. But anyway, this is like, oh, come on. Why do you want to pray? You know, so um, they wouldn't pray. And I said, okay. So I, I mumbled the prayer under my breath well, before I started the tape. And uh, so we started playing this. And the, the young lady, and right now she'd be a young lady compared to my age now, but uh, she's probably in her... Uh, I think she was like 25 at the time, maybe. Beautiful young lady, Irene Cameron. And Irene, if you ever listen to this, I say hi. Um, So anyway, we started playing this thing. We got about three quarters of the way through, and Irene says, I got to go to bed, got to go to work tomorrow. So you guys keep listening, and then when you leave, just clean things up and lock up. Okay. So she goes upstairs, and... I kid you not, it wasn't even five minutes, and Irene came down those stairs, and I swear she missed every third stair. Um, it probably only took her four steps to get all the way down from the top to the bottom floor. And she was panting, and she was almost crying. And I said, what's the matter? She goes, there's something up in my room. And I looked at everybody and I said, now do you see why I wanted to pray? And so... Um, you know, I, I led the procession and we went up the stairs and prayed and opened up the window and then everything was fine after that. And, uh, but then, but that feeling of the chills going back up the spine was there again. Well, anyway, I, th- I feel like I'm taking so long to do this, but, um, I, you have to have the total picture to know how 
I deal with the weirdness. <laughs> okay. Um, well, anyway, not long after that, um, I started to think about UFOs again. And I'm like, well, okay, so I had that feeling that that paranormal odd feeling, you know, when the UFO thing happened, it happens with this tape. So obviously there's a connection. So maybe the UFO phenomena isn't benevolent angels. Maybe it's something that is evil. And um, so I started to look into it and boy, did I start looking into it. And I started to find things that um, it was almost like the Lord was showing me things online and in books and everything else. It was it was weird. It was like he was my bibliographer or something like that. And um, and I found out that these things are um, demonic or fallen angelic. I um, read the book of First Enoch and things like that. And so in the 90s, I started getting real interested in, in getting this information out to people. And I started this website called the Delusion Resistance. And it was at the end of the 90s, I think, or maybe right around 2000. And um and so I started disseminating this information. Uh, and originally, I, I started it calling it DaveRafino.com, but then the Lord was like, well, who are you giving a glory to? <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, you're right. So let's go with Delusion Resistance. And I, I've had that name and paid for that name ever since. A good 20 years now, um, I paid for that URL and own it, but uh, or rent it, I guess. But anyway, um, so um, where am I going with this? So I started to realize that other things were not quite what they seemed. Like I mentioned earlier, ghostly apparitions, poltergeists and stuff like that, I realized were were not just uh, people that were pissed off because they, they died and uh, maybe they didn't die in a fair manner. No, these things were familiar spirits. They were, um, if, I figured if everybody had a fallen or a, a guardian angel around them, everybody probably had, but everybody probably has a fallen angel or a demon that hangs around them. And the Bible says that, that and it calls them familiar spirits because they're familiar with you. And um, and they come back and, and mimic you and make your living relatives make you believe, make them believe that you're hanging around or you've got information for them. And they give all kinds of lies to these people and stuff like that. Well, um, it started to all connect. Everything started to connect. <laughs> And then um, one day I was thinking, well, what about Bigfoot? You know, I I read all this stuff about Bigfoot. I've always been interested in Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Yeti, the Abominable Snowman. You know, he goes by many names. The Skunk Man down south, you know, figures down in, down in the swamps, he'd be called the Skunk Man, right? Well, there's a good reason for that. I'll explain to it in a few minutes. But um, anyway, um, so I started looking at the... Bigfoot and Yeti and stuff like that and started to realize that uh, a lot of people when they say they smell this thing it smells like sulfur well what else smells like sulfur the infernal regions smell like sulfur have you ever been to a volcano um, that's still a little active I, th I think of Mount Lassen down in California they have vents that are still spouting out hydrogen sulfide and it smells like rotten eggs sulfur and people always say that when they see, or a lot of people say when they see Bigfoot, it smelled like rotten eggs. Okay, well, that's, you know, there's there's parallels here that I'm starting to see. Um, I read a story one time about a woman that, uh, I think she was like a farm woman, heard noise outside, her do dogs were barking. I almost said dogs. I, I'm just going to start talking like I used to talk. 
But um, anyway, she, the dogs were barking, and, and she went outside, and uh, there was a Bigfoot standing out there. Well, she takes her rifle and levels it at the thing and shoots at it, and it disappears. And then it reappears over to her, over to the left where it had been standing previously. So she shoots again, and it disappears. Well, things that aren't real or things that are spiritual can disappear like that and show back up. I mean, even heck, even Jesus um, showed up out of nowhere to talk to the disciples and then disappeared, right? Um, so that's just something that, that spiritual entities can do. Um, and a lot of times uh, I've read that you, that uh, Bigfoot are associated with UFO sightings. Uh, lots of UFO sightings, uh, especially if it's out in the country, out in the woods. Um, a lot of times there are Bigfoot sightings at the same time. So, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist, scientist to figure these things out. So, um, back in, uh, back in 2000, actually 2008, I, I married a, a wonderful woman from Mexico and, um, who was not in the best of health, but I loved her and, and, um, and we started to build a life together. And then, uh, one day she uh, developed meningitis and uh, it was in December of 2010 and she passed away just after Christmas. Well, that just really broke my heart, you know, cause you find, you wait all these years and you finally find somebody and, um, and then this happens. Well, uh, so she's gone, and then I start hooking up better with my uncle, who was basically like my brother. He was my mother's half-brother, but my dad always kind of treated him like a son because his father skipped out on him when he was a, a very young boy. So he really had no father figure, and my dad became that father figure. So my uncle Buddy, or Howard, um, was more like a brother to me than he was an uncle. So after my, my father passed away back in 99... Um, you know, a few years had gone by and, and buddy and I kind of hooked up again and he came out to California and when I was living there and we visited for a little while and, and I said, I've got a question for you. I said, and I'm just going to flat out ask you and you can ask me later why I said, why was dad so interested in UFOs? I said, you've got to know, I don't know, but maybe, you know, and he goes, oh, you don't know why? And I go, no. And he says, well, he was fishing up at Lake Wayweyanda, which was our favorite place to fish up in North Jersey. And he had some kind of encounter. He says, I don't remember what it was or, you know, what it was about or anything, but he saw a UFO. And I'm like, okay, now it's really starting to connect. And you know what's really funny is I could never talk my dad out of the notion that these things, that there is no no tangible life in outer space. There may be plants on other planets or there there may be um, non-satient beings on other planets, but there's no free-thinking beings on other planets. And, um, and the Bible actually points that out. And it's in my book, um, Unholy Communion, if you ever want to check it out. Um, but And it's also on the website, too. Uh, Delusion Resistance website, there's an article about it, about how it's impossible. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, it all started to, to kind of catch up to me. That's why Dad was so interested in it. He was he was searching for the truth. All right, albeit searching in wrong sources, but you know when you're you don't have a faith in God, which he didn't at the time. He he had to look towards science or pseudoscience to try to figure out and put together what he saw. Now, whether he was ever abducted or not, I have no idea. But something makes me kind of think that maybe it did happen. Maybe he had missing time. Um, he was really not supposed to be on that lake at night. He made friends with the uh, the ranger that worked up there and probably paid him off, knowing my dad. 
um, so that he could rent a rowboat and fish at night. And I fished at night with him up there. As a matter of fact, I know that's what he did. He slipped the guy some money and we would get a boat. So anyway, um, so that's how the whole UFO thing came in. That's how all the weirdness comes in, how um, once you get start getting interested in weirdness, which is what the UFO phenomenon definitely is, um, other little bits of weirdness start. You start getting interested in them, and you start to find out that they're all like puzzle pieces that kind of fit together, and they all have one author, <laughs> and it's and the author is um, is not your normal puzzle maker. He's the author of everything that's evil, and he's trying to um, subvert the truth of God and and you know try to get men to believe in anything but God and. By golly, I I don't like to give credit where credit's due, but he is doing a good job at that, um, unfortunately. And it takes a lot to get people out of that that mind frame and that um, that mindset about UFOs and um, ghosts and everything else. Once they start believing in the lies, because they uh, it's something that they can believe in that to where they don't have to believe in God. It's an explanation where they don't have to have accountability to the one and true living God. But um, anyway, with that in mind, um, I, I mentioned that, you know, my wife had passed away, my first wife in uh, December of 2010. And I grieved for a year, which I thought was the appropriate time. And it was. And right about at the end of that time, I got online and, and I met my, my current wife, Barbara. And, uh, you know, we really hit it off and, you know, she's knows the truth, all, all the truth about UFOs and ghosts and everything else. Uh, her and her um, first husband actually used to exercise um, demons out of people and, and things like that. Um, so she knows the truth about all that stuff. And so we were a really good fit. And um, so thing is that I lived in California and she lived in Oregon. Well, I've never liked living in California. I, I felt like my, you know, I moved there with my dad when I was 12 or 13, uh, maybe 14, right around there. And uh, because I just thought a boy should be with his father growing up. And I didn't get along very well with my stepfather, although later that mend, that uh, tear was mended and everything worked out really well. He was a really nice man, it turned out. But um, so I moved with my father and and. Um, and that was in 1974, May of 1974. And in May of 2012, I moved to Oregon because that's where Barbara was. And we, you know, we had planned on getting married and we did the next month in June. And the funny thing is I hooked up with that couple that um, I had had that experience with uh, trying to go up the stairs to go to the bathroom. They had lived in the town next to her and I lived with them until we got married. And, um, so that was that was really weird that they were up here and so close, and it was no mistake. There are no coincidences um, in life, as much as people would like to think they're coincidences. No, everything happens for a reason. Well, anyway, um, so uh, uh, finally started. Uh, well, let's see, 2005 was the first year I went down to Roswell, hooked up with Jim Wilhelmson. Um, everybody kind of thought Jim was a little weird because Jim believed in Nazi UFOs and now everybody's talking about it and Jim never gets any credit for it. He was kind of a pioneer in the area. He was a pioneer in many areas that people are now taking credit for, yet he doesn't get credit for it. And, you know, he, he will, he will get his reward in heaven and he knows that we've discussed it at length. Um, 
people like to borrow and steal in this world, and and Christians aren't beyond that. I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, so uh started going down in 2005, and we did our thing with Dave Flynn out in the desert that year. Um, found the original crash site and uh, had a communion service out there and declared Roswell for the Lord instead of Satan and stuff. And the very next year, the businesses started going south in, in Roswell including Jim's store that he had down there, but the Lord wanted him to move back to Michigan anyway, so that worked out well. But um, <clears throat> anyway, getting back to Bigfoot and, and uh, Yeti and whatever you want to call him, um, him or it, I should say, uh, always associated with UFOs, always associated with the smell of sulfur or a, um, a very foul odor. And if you've talked to anybody that's had a poltergeist experience or um experiences with evil spirits often they'll tell you that it smells like death or um like um rotten eggs and stuff like that so um again there's another correlation another parallel and again there are no coincidences and uh so anyway so living in Oregon, uh, we live uh, we lived in Eugene for a while, and I had to get out of Eugene because Eugene is. I, see, I originally well, I moved up here to marry Barbara, of course, but um, moving to Eugene was almost like moving back to California because Eugene is a very liberal city. Uh, matter of fact, it probably makes California look a little more conservative. Uh, Eugene's a really messed up area, as is Portland, and uh, they're you know both uh, gateways to hell, but. Um, Anyway, um, and I was looking one day, I was reading a newspaper, and it said uh, Sheriff of Lynn County says that if he's ordered to take away guns, he will disobey orders. So I pointed to that article, and I said, that's where we got to move. we got to move up to Lynn County, and that's the very next county up from where Eugene is. And um, so one day, and here's another place where there's no coincidences. Uh, Barbara and I, we were going to a church down in Eugene, and it kind of had soured. Um Soured is a nice word for it. And I don't, you know, I kind of like the guy that still like him that pastors it. So I don't want to, uh, I don't want to bad mouth him. So, um, <clears throat> but some of the people in his congregation are, you know, should be patients up in my psych ward, um, that I work at. Um, so we, uh, we happened to take a drive up to, um, uh, Highway 228 and made a right and then uh, went through Brownsville and then came a little further and uh, entered a little, it looks as it's an un, definitely an unincorporated area called Crawfordsville. And um, we found that there was a church here and we found out that it was um, kind of like a Calvary Chapel, but they weren't associated with Calvary Chapel. And um, so we decided to do a 10 and we really liked it. Turns out my wife knew the pastor <laughs> and his wife. Um Used to even, I think, babysit the daughter or something. I can't remember, or or our daughter babysits the daughter. I can't remember. But anyway, um, again, no coincidence. Um, and so we're, you know, we went to church, and then one day we decided to make a right, like we we're heading toward a little town called Sweet Home, and we made our right. And as soon as we made our right, there was a house for sale. <laughs> and so, hey, that that came in convenient, and we got a really good deal on it really good interest rates and stuff like that ended up buying the house again no coincidence um and we've lived here ever since 
And I realized that I just gave everybody away my, my location. But you know what? The Lord's big enough to protect us. And I really don't care. Besides, we, we give lead injections here to people that enter in illegally. But um, anyway, um, so, okay, here's where I'm going with this. So I start to realize we're living in the hill country of Oregon. I mean, there's hills all around us. There's big cedar trees and everything. It's really beautiful, quite beautiful out here. Um, although they're clear cutting, but they, they replant as soon as they um, cut. And after about four or five years, the trees start growing again and it looks good again. But anyway, um, but I think that the clear cutting kind of dis- disturbs or unsettles uh, Bigfoot if he, if he does, in fact, live up there and isn't just an apparition or a, a UFO knot. Um, and... Um, so one day, I noticed that you know our dogs every once in a while just go mazo. They, they, um, and if you don't know what that means, it means that they go berserk. They just start barking. And it seems like for no reason, and they head toward the back door. And every time I've gone out there to look, there's nothing out there. But is there really nothing out there? Um, and our little dog, our little terrier buddy, he, uh, he's like a ghostbuster. He's actually let us know in other houses where. Uh, Entities have been in there, and we've been able to pray them away. But um, so uh, one night, you know, they all got riled up and they were barking. I didn't think anything about it. It's become quite commonplace now. And the next morning, I went out there, and it had snowed uh, uh, two days prior, and the snow was starting to melt, but quite hadn't hadn't quite all melted. And I'm standing by where the the um, driveway meets the uh, the carport pad. And I see a footprint there. And I'm like, that's a bear footprint. And that's a big bear footprint. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying bear like B-E-A-R. I'm talking about B-A-R-E, like a human footprint without a shoe on or a sock. And so I took a picture of it right away. And there was another one kind of near it that uh, had kind of been uh, kind of been uh, disturbed with the snow and everything. So it wasn't it wasn't a good shot of that. But. And I noticed that I had stepped next to this footprint and that my shoe was um, probably, uh, I could probably fit one and a half of my shoes inside this footprint. And I, I wear a size 11 and a half. So we're talking a good probably 16 or 17 inches on the footprint. And I'm, I, I looked at it and I went, oh, yeah. So that's why the dogs every once in a while start going crazy. And another other things I've noticed is that uh, for a while we had a problem with the, uh, with um, cougars, and we haven't had a problem with cougars now in a couple of years. Um, we have we belong to this website on Facebook. It's called uh, I think it's Lynn County Cougar Sightings or something like that. And for the last six months or so, it's gotten strangely quiet. Um, no more cougar sightings or very few. And either people are just getting disenchanted with it and tired of reporting them or or they're just not around anymore. And I'm wondering if they're a good food source for the Bigfoot or if they just scare the cougars away. That could be another thing. Um, I can only imagine what a a Bigfoot could do to a cougar. But um, anyway, um, so I started to investigate a little bit and... um, I had done this in the past, and tonight I just wanted to bring it on to onto the radio show because um, this area here is has a lot of history of Bigfoot sightings, and um, 
some of them I've noticed that most of them are um, are not friendly sightings. Um, I'm going to read some of them to you. Okay, and these are okay. Now bear in mind that we live in a little valley, the Kaiapua Valley, and so there's mountains to the to the north of us, mountains to the south. And and the roadway goes to east to Sweet Home in the east and Brownsville in the west, and um, so Sweet Home is only about seven miles away, as is Brownsville. It's almost right in the center, but um, a lot of these reports come from Sweet Home. Some of them come from Brownsville, and we're smack dab in the middle. So I have no idea, uh, no doubt exactly, no doubt whatsoever that. Uh, if he exists, he's around here, and that footprint has made me definitely believe that he exists. And you see stuff around here. You go up to Lebanon, there's a Bigfoot bar and grill, and um, there's some guy that likes to carve Bigfoot out or Big Feet. I don't know how you would say that out of uh, logs and stuff like that. And actually, does a pretty good job. And if I could afford one of them, I put it out in my yard because I think it's the guy does a really good job. Um, but that might not be the right thing to do because it might be inviting and it could be seen in the Torah as being idol worship. Um, so I think I'll dismiss that idea. But um, now this one is dated uh, March March of 2001, Lynn County, Oregon, where we live, nearest town, Sweet Home, Road Highway 20. That's the road that goes from Sweet Home to Lebanon. Okay, run that road all the time when we go to Lebanon. Let me get another drink of this coffee or I'm going to waste this cup, okay? Hold on a sec. Maybe a second or a few seconds. Ah. You ever have coffee ice cream? If you like coffee ice cream, get the Hagen Doss. It is the best coffee ice cream I've ever had in the entire universe. I normally don't do commercials, but Hagen Doss coffee ice cream is the bomb. It's awesome. And Haagen-Dazs, you don't even have to pay me for saying that, unless you want to throw some free ice cream my way. Um, that would be okay, but um, it is definitely the best coffee ice cream. And uh, I'm not supposed to eat ice cream because I'm getting older and everything seems to go to my gut. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to live. <laughs> and I don't want to... And people that go on diets, you know, it's... I understand why they go on diets, and I've been on diets myself, but the first three letters of diets are die, and um, I would rather live, I don't know how long I'm going to live, I'm one of those people that believe God has ordained your days, so you're not going to die one day before or live one day after that day, so, um, and my wife is many times says yes, but it's the quality of life that you live until that day comes, and she's right. But if you're not happy, I mean, if you're depressed because you can't eat what you want to eat, what kind of life is that, right? Anyway, okay. Uh, let's see. Near Highway 20, conditions. It doesn't say. It says time afternoon. Rooster Rock hiking trail just off of Highway 20. I know right where that is. Okay, description of event. The guy says, I decided to take my girlfriend hiking. I knew of a trail that isn't hiked a lot because we wanted to see nature and people uh, see nature, not people. So I took her, the guy doesn't use capitals and he puts periods in weird places. So forgive me if I, I don't write this correctly or read this correctly. So I took her to rooster rock hiking trail, just past trout Creek off of highway 20. 
we got to the start of the trail, filled out our cards and put it in the box. And there was only one other card in the box and it was dated sometimes back. So we were excited. No one would be on the trail. Now, you see, that kind of freaks me out. I'd like to have a few people around just in case something happens. Unless, you know, we're talking about deliverance kind of people and then I don't want them around. But anyway, uh, and he says, plus it was rainy, foggy day and we didn't expect to see anyone anyhow. The trail was all overgrown and I had to use my machete in some parts of the way up there about three quarters of the way up when we came to a muddy rock section of the trail and there were large footprints in the mud going down the side of the mountain. I put my foot in one of the prints and I wear a size 11 and a half. That's weird. So do I. And, uh, and the print bear, the print, the print beat my shoe size by a good eight inches. The span of the prints was incredibly long, about um, four feet. So four feet between footprints. Um, that's big. Um, to each one, it says, we didn't know what to think about it, so we just kept hiking. <laughs> okay. Why, you know, first thought would be, why is somebody walking around barefoot out here? Um, Second of all, if there's somebody that big walking around out here, I'm heading back to the car. Sorry, even if it's a human. Um, because if they're walking around barefooted, they're probably not pretty right-minded. Um, so anyway, um, you know, so we just kept hiking. We got to the top of the trail, ate lunch, and came back down. And when we got to where we found the rocks, and there were more, instead of tracks going down like it had before, it had come back up the mountain, going back up the hill all the time. That At this time, we got an eerie chill feeling like something was watching us, the kind of feeling you get when your hair stands up on the back of your neck. So we picked up our pace going down the trail. As a former Marine, I felt something was wrong. I didn't have my Glock. I did have my Glock 40 on me. Oh, excuse me. I, uh, I did. I did have my Glock 40 on me so I was worried but I still kept I still felt edgy we almost were all the way down the trail and it was raining hard when something large started coming at us through the forest and it was breaking branches um, and it was moving as fast as I no <laughs> reading or something started coming at us see this is hard to read folks because the guy doesn't know sentence structure and they must have pasted it exactly as he sent it the force was breaking branches and moving fast as I tossed my girlfriend the car keys and told her to run to the car and get it started. So she ran and I pulled out my gun. And as a Marine, I took a defensive posture between it behind a tree. I fired three shots into the air. The thing then turned back and I could hear it going back up the trail, breaking limbs and brushes. It stopped and got very quiet. I then pedaled back down the trail to the car slowly. And then I heard a loud whop yell coming from the top up the top of the mountain then another one from a different direction the yelling was continuous i got to the car and we sped off as fast as we went to the and, and we went to ranger station and sweet home to report what happened they pretty well just blew us off but me and her knew what happened please contact me and he so he left a, a link for this website to contact him and uh, I sent the pictures of the, the the foot that I I I took, and uh, I never heard back from him. Um, 
Now, there's a little town called Cascadia. It's on the other side of Sweet Home. There's a lot of camping areas there. It's right by the um, Santiam River. And uh, I don't know if I'd read this one yet or not. No, I don't think so. Um, okay, let's see. July 2003, Lynn County, Oregon, Cascadia, US 20 is the highway. Conditions clear, time night. Cascadia State Park, Cascadia, Oregon, behind the maintenance building located to the east side of the park. Pretty detailed. Okay, description of my event. My girlfriend and I were staying in a pop-up camper as a campground host at at Cascadia State Park in Cascadia, Oregon, about 13 miles east of Sweet Home, Oregon, during the summer of 2003. I had played some Bigfoot recordings approximately 20 minutes before getting into bed. Oh, that's real smart. Uh, Shortly after laying down, sounds started coming from the woods directly behind the camper. It sounded like a buck snorting, much, uh, but much louder. Limbs were being broken constantly. My girlfriend and I were scared, and I would not let, and I would not get up to go see what was going on. The sound subsided within about five minutes. One week later, I played the sounds again through my computer speakers, and the same experience happened. This time, it sounded as though there was a landslide as well. The next morning, one of the campers told the ranger about hearing some strange noises and something that sounded like a landslide. My girlfriend and I never smelled anything out of the ordinary. We just heard loud snorting sounds and limbs of trees being broken. Whatever it was, it sounded mad. I promised that this took place back in September, summer of 2003, and I'm not saying for sure it was a Bigfoot or Sasquatch. I honestly do not know what it was. But I do know that it scared, you know, I was too scared to do any investigating at the time. My girlfriend and I went into the woods the following day, but we could not find any tracks. I grew up about 18 miles from Folk, oh, Falk, Arkansas. You ever hear about the Falk monster, folks? Um, where the Bigfoot creature had been reportedly been seen. I am currently living in Atlanta. Texas is about 30 miles from Cato Lake where you recently filmed the Mysterious Encounter episode. I just wanted to share this information and what I experienced during the summer of 2003 with you, Bruce, oh, his name is Bruce Coates. I guess it's okay since it's on the internet. I could say his name, right? Okay, there was another one here. Um, yeah, this is at Brown near Brownsville, and I didn't write where this guy's talking about. I mean, I could take you to this place. Um, okay, report overview. Date, August 18, 2007, Lynn County, Oregon. Nearest town, Brownsville. Nearest road, Seven Mile Lane. I take that road a lot of times. to. It's kind of a shortcut to get up to Albany. Conditions clear, time late afternoon. Location, clear-cut zone next to the Kayapua River. East, moving, um, earth-moving equipment all over and large piles of brush and a perimeter of trees around the area. A few houses were in the area next to town, the town itself. Okay. This one kind of freaks me out. Because um, this is what happened to me working on my truck. Um, description of event. While I'm traveling, I'm a traveling diesel mechanic. I was asked by my uncle to come down to his construction site to repair a broken drive shaft on a truck. 
Well, it's still being cleared and it is in the outskirts of Brownsville itself. So I felt, so I feel like something was watching me and I was looking around a lot, mostly over by the river where it was still wooded, um, a lot of brush. Well, I shrugged it off and I got my tools and crawled under the truck and started working, talking to myself as I worked. And I started to notice that the birds and other animals in the area just stopped. Soon I heard the brush snapping and crackle all over the all over the river. Crawling out for more tools, I heard it all I heard all stop and then some grunting started over by the brush. At first I thought it to be a black bear and went back to work after pulling out my pistol from my truck cab. Well, the brush started to move again and then stopped again. At this moment, it made me remember my last run in with Bigfoot. I got an almost sickening smell of must and wet dog kind of smell with a hint of rotten fresh fish. Well, I smashed my hand and started to curse and yell when a rock went flying and hit the dump bed of the of the dump truck. I crawled out of my with my gun drawn and I looked around and I found large depressions like feet bigger than mine, 14 inches. They seem to be 18 or more inches, uh, to be 18 or more inches. I didn't have a camera or anything to take pictures or anything to record the whole thing. But I finished my work and I left not so scared, but rattled to have seen to not have seen anything. So this guy's working on a truck is being harassed you know you notice that these things aren't coming up and saying hi my what's the name of the guy um daryl on the latest commercial for geico she calls him bigfoot and he goes but my name's daryl um let's see there's uh yeah this one's pretty good well that's near middle city that's not too close uh there's another one with kids that were fishing and they saw something run um, man has nightly visitation near Lacombe. That's not too far away. Okay. And it's a lot closer in time to today, too. Only 10 years away. Um, April 12, 2010, Lynn County, Oregon, Lacombe. Uh, nearest road, Baptist Church. Condition overcast. Time night. This occurred outside my residence. You can contact me, and he gives his phone number, but it's all X's. My driveway is on the north side of the intersection of, and it gives an address, and it's all X'd out. Edited per witness request. Okay. I live alone on 10 acres and had gone to sleep early to read. The bedroom window is open as usual. I can't sleep in a stuffy room. It was, man, I, I really like that. I wish we could open up our windows here, but we live in grass country, and allergies keep us awake. Um, it was a very quiet night. No moon, no wind, neighbors are quiet, no traffic down on the road, 300 feet away or 50 feet down, and covered with 16-year-old Douglas firs that I planted. No frogs, crickets, or killdeers making noise. Laying in bed, I thought I heard soft voices nearby, but they weren't quite voices, not enough to worry me. Then I smelled a terrible rotten egg smell. The smell lingered for a couple of minutes, and then I heard some soft thumping on the deck outside my window. The deck is about 18 inches high and extends out the north side of my house 12 feet. The smell and the noise disappeared. Over the next 45 minutes, I smelled rotten eggs and heard soft thumping against the deck five or six times. The last couple of times, it seemed like I had, I had gone 
it had gone, and the frog started up only to become quiet again. Finally, the frog started up and resumed their regular frog business. I have lived there for 16 years and have never smelled anything like that. I have the ability and mindset to defend my home if need be, and I'm a hunter, but during this encounter, I felt not the least bit threatened had a human approach to my house. Had a human approached my house, I believe I would have been on alert. I felt like I do when I see an animal in the wild. I looked for signs the next day, but there was nothing to find. The grass was in need of mowing and the ground hard. Um, and it had rained just after sunrise. Okay. So these things are all around here. And so when I hear the dogs barking, um, Ooh, this one looks good. Camper has frightening encounter near Green Peter Reservoir. Green Peter Reservoir is a very beautiful place. I mean, it's really getting up there in, in the mountains and you get to see real fir tree. Oh man, it's really beautiful. Trees like you would buy at Christmas, you know? Um, let's see. Summer 2000 near Sweet Home. Okay. I hadn't read this, so I don't know how long. Oh, it's not very long. Okay, October, or excuse me, August 14, 2000, Lynn County, Oregon, Sweet Home, Santiam Highway is the nearest road. Conditions clear, time dusk. Uh, location, five miles above, above Green Peter Reservoir. A bridge crosses the Santiam River. Go over the bridge and up the logging road on the other side. About two miles up that road, the paving the pave section goes right. Stay to the left on the gravel. After the junction, take the first left and head up the mountain. It was about five minutes from the last left. Okay. While camping above Green Peter, uh, went off the main road. My friends and I had an interesting experience. We were driving along the old logging road that uh, that branches left after the first bridge above the lake and stopped to smoke a cigarette. My friends wouldn't let me smoke in the Jeep. Uh, we got out and stretched our legs a bit and we're talking about heading back to camp before it got too dark. Uh, when on the hillside below us, the strangest sound I ever heard rang out. It was like a long war warble, almost like a sad wail as if it had been human. Uh, one of the guys there is an amateur bird watcher and assured us that it was certainly not a bird. I suggested it might be a herd animal. The sound was deep and res resonating, but it sounded like something in pain. We all heard of Bigfoot sightings in the area, so we couldn't resist an opportunity to look for whatever made the sound. At this point, the three other guys decided that uh, they should keep an eye on the car. <laughs> of course. So I grabbed my rifle. Um, there's a, and, and because there are bear up there too. And I went down the hill at first. I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary, but when I rounded a big fir tree, I found a big crevice in a rocky hillside. It wasn't deep enough to hide anything, but the smell was awful. It was like a mixture of human feces and wet dog. Awful. I started to yell up the hill to my friends only about the smell, but got my first syllable out before something large and fast burst from the scent, uh, the other side of the rock and down the hillside. All I saw was a flash of dark brown, 
um, that could easily have been a deer, but I found no deer signs and any other recent animal signs around. Uh, scared the crap out of me. I have spent years in the woods in Oregon and have never before since smelled anything like that or heard any sound similar. Was it Bigfoot? Then there's a question mark. Interesting. So I've often gone, I go outside a lot of times, like it's almost one o'clock now in about a half hour. I'll be going outside to let the dogs out. And I often just sit and listen to see if I can hear anything. Um, haven't yet. And, and to be quite honest, I really don't want to. Um, oh, there was another one here that was really good. Um, Mechanic, Loud Howl by Herbie Elk Hunters. That was by Sisters. That's far away. Uh, Man Has Nightly Visitations. We read that. Brief sighting of children as they were fishing. Wood knocks through window while witness in bed. That was near Mill City. That's over by north of Albany. Um, let's see. Elk Hunters carcasses disturbed. Um, hmm. Interesting. I thought there was another one I really wanted to read, but um, I guess maybe maybe it was somewhere else. I can't remember. Um, Nancy's creature across the road. Ooh, this is interesting. Okay, let's read this one. Summer of 1989. It's a little old, but... Um, Let's see what happens. Date, 1989, Lynn County, Oregon, nearest town, Cascadia, Highway 126. She's guessing at the road number. It's really not 126. It's 20. Conditions, clear night, time night. Location, go to Cascadia State Park. Take the little road to the left just before entering the park. Go past the houses, and when you pass the last one on the left, there's a big open field on your right, and a river is on your left. That's where it happened. Okay. I had horses out in the pasture, my two brothers and my sister, and I think one of the boy friends, boy's friends went out to see the horses. We had 80 acres, which butted up the logging properties. Man, I'd love to have 80 acres. Logging, uh, logging property and wilderness. The river was across the dirt road from our property, we went out all the time in the dark, and it didn't bother us at all. I rode my horse all over the hills and was never afraid. Well, anyway, we went out to find all the horses, and I had a flashlight. I was shining it in the field, looking for them. I had um, it at chest height, sweeping the field. When I shone it back across the flat part of the field toward the river, I saw two orange glowing eyes looking at me. I didn't hear anything at all. It didn't move. There aren't any trees in that part of the field. Whatever it was, it was taller than me. I've never been so afraid in my life. All the hair stood up on my body, and I felt weak. Never have I felt that way, and I have been in the woods all of my life. I knew whatever it was, it was not supposed to be there. As I watched the strange thing, it was it closed its left eye and turned its head to the right. This was strange to me because I thought an animal would just turn its head out of the light and that would mean 
the right eye would leave the first the view first. Anyway, I still did not hear anything, and I turned around and started running for the house. I tried to get everyone in, but they would not come all the way into the house. On the other hand, uh, did not go out at night again for a long time. Another time, we were hunting, I say around 2004, around Green Peter. There's that reservoir again. I was walking behind my husband, and in the mud, I saw a track. I stopped and looked at it again. It was kind of embarrassing to say anything, but I know in my heart it was a Bigfoot track. I had It had all the toes, and the big toe was prominent. The back was kind of messed up because it was on a slope, but I know, I know it was one. I wish I would have taken a picture of it. I wish I had not been embarrassed to say anything. My husband's family was camping in a houseboat on Lake Shasta, down in California, I guess. When he was young, he and his grandpa got up early to fish, and they looked up on a hill in a clear cut and saw a black thing standing and walk across the clear cut. Both my husband and my grandpa recall it. I don't know what year. It must have been about 26 years ago. His grandpa told me the story and swears it was a bear. It was not a bear. Well, I hope to see another one. I hope it's not close up, but I want to prove to myself that it was real. So that's pretty interesting. Glowing red eyes. That would kind of freak me out. I'm sorry. I'm pretty brave and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, woman sees creature in broad daylight near a mountain cabin. Okay. Hope I'm not boring you folks, but I think this stuff's real interesting because I know where it comes from. And it ain't, well, you can argue with me if you like, but I think they're supernatural. Why haven't they ever found bones? Why not? Nobody ever finds a dead Bigfoot anywhere. Um, I don't know. Okay, let's see. July 1994, Lynn County, Oregon, Cascadia, Oregon. Man, Cascadia is like the capital of Bigfoot sightings. Fernville Campground, Bridge Road. Um, conditions warm and dry. Time late afternoon. We were staying in one one of the cabins on a land leased from Willamette Forest Service uh, on Highway 20 heading east from Sweet Home. You go to the Fernville Campground and go right across the bridge over the Santiam River, go up a little hill and over a big boulder creek and around to the right, and there's a gate-locked road that goes into the cabins. It was on that dirt road by the cabins that I saw the Sasquatch. Okay. Uh, I was living in one of the cabins with my husband and two younger children. We had a, we had just finished dinner, and they... We're in the living room. I was, it was getting later, but it was still pretty light out as it had been a sunny summer day. I started to walk from the kitchen to the living room and a movement caught my eye straight, straight ahead through the bedroom window. I stood, I stood stock still in disbelief as I watched Sasquatch walk up a dirt road heading south from our cabin to which huge long strides. I could see his back only. I sensed it was a male, though I couldn't say why. He seemed to be aware of me watching him, but wasn't worried. He was about seven foot tall with reddish brown hair and about two about two inches long. 
He had very long arms and legs and walked very confidently and, and with controlled looking. Um, he walked behind a large tree at the end of the road and just disappeared. I kept waiting for him to show up on the other side of the tree, but he just seemed to have vanished. That's interesting. It's more proof that they're spiritual. Uh, I wasn't frightened as he didn't seem malevolent or animalistic. Our dog was chained up outside the window and she was barking and lunged at the end of her chain watching him. Uh, he didn't seem at all uh, phased by the dogs. I was so engrossed watching him that I didn't think to say anything out loud until he disappeared. Then I walked into the living room dazed and told my husband. I just saw Bigfoot walking up the road. I went out a few minutes later to look around the road by the tree, but the ground was too dry and packed for any tracks to show. Interesting. Just disappeared. I don't know if I talked about it already or not, but I read a story a while back um, um, in it concerned of a farm lady. She lived on a farm and it was at night and her dogs were making a ruckus and she went outside. Um, she said she saw Bigfoot with the glowing eyes. She had a rifle with her, so she took a shot. She was a pretty good shot and she fired, squeezed off around. She said that the thing disappeared. And then all of a sudden she looked to the left and it was standing there. And so she shot at it there and it disappeared. Then it went to the right. She shot at there and then it disappeared. So this is another thing that makes me think that these things are supernatural and are not, uh, not real. And I, I'm, I only have to wonder if there was any UFO sightings in the area that night. Uh, let's see. Gold Panner sees creature in Creek. Um, July 1995, Lynn County, Oregon, Sweet Home, 11 line, um, nearest road, 11 line off Courtsville Road. Um, sunny and breezy, late afternoon, up the 11 line, that's, that's the road, it's called the 11 line above Butler Creek, about three miles of gravel road on the right side of the road. Um, there's a small stream going up and it was about... 75 yards. Caves are all over the area for mining. Ooh, that might be a neat place to go exploring. To remember that. Um, description of event. My friend Mel and I were up panning for gold. He was on the left side of the road, and I decided to walk a small stream to the right side to see if I could find anything. I was about 75 yards and standing on a log that crossed the stream, taking a rest, when I smelled a musty smell, and the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I turned around to see something take one step in the middle of the eight foot stream and to the other side. And it was, so in other words, the stream was eight foot and I guess it stepped from one side to the other. It was six or seven, six or seven feet tall, brown and black, long arms with slightly humped back. At that time, I unholstered my sidearm and put around in the chamber. I just stood there for a couple of minutes trying to see or hear anything to no avail. I slowly made my way back to the road through the thick brush, the same way I had come in and told Mel what I had seen. He didn't know what to think. I have been in those mountains my whole life and not seen anything remotely close to what I had seen that day, although I have smelt the same musty smell on occasions while I was out in the brush. I got to say that when I'm driving down the highway, especially down Highway 228 and sometimes up a highway... Um, 
uh, Interstate 5 up towards Albany. I smell that musty smell. And it is kind of a funky smell. I'm not saying I'm smelling a Bigfoot, but, um, you know, who knows? Maybe there's one hiding in the brush off the side of the freeway. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to bore you with much, much more of this. I just find these sightings interesting because I live here. Okay. If you live down in Louisiana, you'd probably be reading me stories about uh, Boggy Creek or something like that. Okay, let's see. I wanted to see if I read this earlier. Okay, yeah, I did read it. This is a good one. March 3rd, 2002, Lynn County, Oregon, nearest town, sweet home. Uh, nearest road, Snow Peak, main line. Uh, condition, snow on ground. Time, afternoon. Um, location, logging road 500. Take a left on the 520, about two miles up the road, and I got stuck in the snow on my 4x4. That's pretty, some deep, pretty deep snow, I guess. Okay, description of event. I had my Winchester 1200 Defender with four one-ounce slugs and one bird shot, also a 9mm. Not planning on shooting anything, just can't be too safe. I hiked in about a mile up the road looking for animal tracks in the snow. I came to the road to a road clear of snow in the thick of old growth woods. About 20 yards on the road, no wind. A few birds crossed my directly in my path, not meaning to shoot, just getting reaction time. As I look down the sights about 30 yards down the path, about 15 yards wide, I see this big black, um, big black with slightly gray hair. It did not see me. I was in all black and brown boots and in deadly quiet. Uh, when I had, when I had seen it, it took a deep breath and it turned and it looked directly at me. I did not see its face clearly. I, it was seven foot tall. It took a few steps and stood behind two big trees. I yelled out in case it was a human, told them that they had better not, they had better answer because I did not want to blow them in half. This was now, there was no place for it to go because there was, short shrubs on both sides. I shot two rounds into the stump with my nine millimeter as if it was a bear or elk trying to get them to move. Nothing. I just stood there behind those trees. So I was going to walk up the trail to get back to get a look when to my left, about 20 yards, something just as big started to run down the side of the mountain, only breaking two branches and running damn fast. I don't know if it was trying to get me to draw my attention off the off the uh, uh, get my attention and lead me away from the other, but it worked. Two to one, there were can't understand this. Two to one in there were backyard. Oh, he was in their backyard. No thanks. I backed out slow, watching. Uh, the place I went to is not newly open. Not logged yet. I plan to go back with a video and eight slugs. <laughs> I do not want to shoot one, but better safe than sorry. Very interesting. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there reading this stuff. So anyway, you're going to notice something. They, a lot of times they smell foul. A lot of times they smell like sulfur or death. Another thing they smell like death. Um. Now, I've smelled some funky people. I used to live in Eugene, and hippies don't like to bathe a lot. And 
a lot of times you can smell them coming from a long way away. But um, they never smell like death and they never smell like sulfur. Um, you talk to people that, well, if you believe this kind of thing, you talk to people that say they've been to hell. That's one of the key defining factors. It smells like sulfur. Um, if you go to uh, Megiddo, not Megiddo, um, Sodom and Gomorrah in that area where they've actually found Sodom and Gomorrah now, you can actually find sulfur pellets there and it smells like sulfur. Um, you go to volcanoes, which, you know, are bringing up rock from the nether regions of the earth, so to speak. And a lot of the times the vents smell like sulfur. Um, so sulfur is always associated with the nether world, with the underworld, with hell. And, uh, and these things are supposedly associated with UFOs and UFOs are usually piloted by um, aliens, which I do believe, and I've proved in my book, are actually fallen angels um, in disguise to, to make them look like something that's more palatable these days uh, to deceive mankind. So um, so coming from Bigfoot country and having a footprint in my yard uh, in the snow and having our dogs go crazy every once in a while, um, I can pretty well attest that... Uh, that we do live in Bigfoot country and the fact that there aren't hardly any deer. And, you know, deer used to really bug the heck out of me because I have apple trees in the backyard and they used to like to come and eat the ends of the trees, the ends of the branches. And if you know anything about trees, when you eat the ends of the branches, that branch kind of dies. It's got no place to go. Um, it can't grow out anymore. Sometimes a branch will grow off of it, but not often. And so these things were killing my apple trees, and there's none of them around. Now, I attributed it, that to the uh, the cougars, and that may have been right. But now there's no cougar reports around, and there's no um, deer. Re- well, the deer are starting to come back a little bit, but none of them have been in my backyard. They've been leaving my trees alone. So um, something's been eating the thing that's been eating the deer. And, uh, you know, from what I understand, they like to eat deer, too. So, um I don't know. I'm just going to keep my eyes out and watch out for more footprints, and um, especially after it rains and stuff. And uh, But I think we have had visitations in our backyard. Um, and now that it's getting time to let the dogs out, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a little creepy. But um, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. I'm coming from Bigfoot country itself. I, I would like to, if you know anybody... Um, have them get a hold of me on, on the YouTube channel where this is going to be posted or or um, my information is on uh, Spreaker and it's also on Podbean where people can write to me. And I really would like to have an expert on, on Bigfoot to come onto the show. And I'm not talking about somebody that's seen a couple, but somebody that's really researched it. And I'm not talking about the Bigfoot hunters that are on TV because as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a bunch of crap anyway. Um, you can't not search for something and not find it, unless it's not there, of course. But all these shows, you know, Oak Island, uh, the Bigfoot thing, the whole nine yards, you know, it's like everybody's always searching, but they never find anything. Um, I want to talk to somebody or have somebody on the show that has actually researched, has seen has maybe interacted, but I don't want any kooks on here either. So, um, and especially, especially if you're a Christian and you can bring a spiritual angle in on it, that would be wonderful. 
So if you know anybody like that, send me their names and I can contact them. Maybe we can have them on the show some Monday night and talk with them. Really be interested to talk with them. Um, and to see and get their, their take on it and, uh, to kind of confirm that these things are spiritual in nature and not necessarily physical in nature. Um, again, uh, when somebody shoots one and they can put the body up in a museum somewhere, maybe I'll believe that they're tangible, but I do believe that they're spiritual in nature and that they're coming here just to uh, preoccupy us to keep our eyes off of things that are really important, so to speak. So anyway, that having been said, I'm going to go ahead and end this radio show. If I can find the window that contains the radio show, hey, I've gone for an hour and a half on this. What do you know? Um, hope you've enjoyed the stories. Hope you've enjoyed my little biography. Um, again, get a hold of us. Um, uh, tell us what you think. And, uh, we uh, will see you for sure next Monday. Uh, we still need to figure out a topic, but we'll let you know that ahead of time. So um, anyway, God bless and have a great week and uh, hope to see you soon. Good night.